0: to another edition of the search engine journal show thanks for joining us today we are continuing our ongoing series better know an seo pro in today's edition of better know an seo pro i'll be talking to brett tabke brett is the founder and ceo of pubcon it is the longest running educational conference series in our industry covering all things search social and digital marketing. He also owns Webmaster World, an online forum where you'll find web professionals discussing the latest industry news and developments. He started as a Commodore 64 128 assembly language pro- programmer, but jumped into web marketing and SEO around 1997. Uh, in- 2007 or 2017, excuse me. Brett won the U.S. Search Awards Lifetime Achievement Award. You can find him on LinkedIn as Brett Tabke or on Facebook or Twitter as B Tabke. Brett, it is so great to have you here today on the Search Engine Journal show.
1: Hey, thanks for having me, Danny. Uh, appreciate it. Congrats on all the uh, success you guys have had on uh, Search Engine Journal. You've really, really turned uh, turned the corner there, I think. Uh, what an outstanding job you've done the last six months. To
0: You've been there a little over a year now? Oh, uh, almost two years, actually, yeah. Almost two years, wow. Yeah, okay. yep. Okay. Well, thanks so much for that. I do appreciate that. Um, yeah, and as we mentioned in the intro, uh, you were the U.S. Search Awards Lifetime Achievement Award winner in 2017, so I figure we could start there. Um, just sort of what did that mean to you, getting that award? Well, it
1: it was beyond uh, humbling. Um, you, you know, when you get honored like that out of the blue, it it was pretty overwhelming for me uh, to receive that, and especially knowing who the judges were that year who brought this up. It was a, it was definitely a panel of my peers, some of the folks who've been in the industry for almost 20 years. Um, it, it was just an incredible honor. Uh, uh, and I, I don't know what else to say about that, but it was just incredibly humbling, and uh, I, I've never felt so honored in my life, I think. Mm
0: hmm. Uh, And do you think you would consider that one of your like professional highlights Um, or is there something maybe that stands out more than that? Or that be like one of the things where someone goes, what's your highlight moment up till this point in your career? Would you point to that night?
1: Well, as an SEO, I think the highlight of my career was when I uh, was when Webmaster World was a PR nine and we were ranked number one on the SERPs for the keyword Google on Google. Oh, wow. So, <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, that was circa 2001. <laughs> wow. So that's going to be my highlight, but definitely uh, the Lifetime Achievement Award uh, has, uh, it, it touched me though, and made me feel rededicated to the community. Um, we've always been about the community. Uh, like you mentioned in the intro there, going back to the Commodore 64 days,
2: mm-hmm. I
1: ran bulletin board systems, from basically 1982 to 1994
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, n- until it became clear that there just wasn't a market for bulletin board systems anymore with the internet coming on so strong. So, and, and the basis for all of that was community. So when I saw people creating forums for the web and I jumped into uh, writing the software behind Webmaster World, it was just a natural. It was just a natural, so mm-hmm. just at a different scale. So it's always been about community, and and to receive a reward like that from the community was just very humbling. And uh, it it will definitely be one of the highlights of my career, I'm I'm sure.
0: Absolutely. So, um, yeah, and I also mentioned, of course, in the intro that you are the CEO and founder of PubCon. Now, PubCon is coming up very shortly. Um, yeah. in, in early October. Um, and of course, if people listening, you still have time to register if you want to. And I highly recommend the show, not just because I'm speaking, but because I've been going to <laughs> it for many, many years. And it's an awesome show. Um, so for people who may not, I assume, I always assume that everybody knows what PubCon is, but maybe you could just talk a little bit about sort of how you view PubCon today uh, in terms of its role in the, in the community and the industry. Sure.
1: Uh, one thing though, not everybody's heard of PubCon. In fact, about 30% of the people who come to PubCon every year are exposed to the brand that year. Mm. We we have 30 to 50% new attendees year over year, over year, after year, after year. Wow. We Yeah, it, it's been that way. Uh, you'd think everybody would be tuned in and, and sooner or later bounce into our brand somewhere, but it, it's just not the case. You just got to keep remarketing yourself the same way over and over and over, whether it's uh, via social channels or search channels, you just got to keep trying to reach people uh, until they uh, bump into you, I guess, Mm because what we have found is that, people won't come until there's a personal recommendation by a colleague or a friend or a website they a, a website authority they really really trust so they got to see your brand to hear about it and then they hear about it oh hey search engine journal Danny wrote about that over there well I trust Danny so I'm going to go mm-hmm. or I'm going to look into it further and and that's how people bump into us it. so it, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy we become we're a conference about marketing and we're constantly learning about marketing in order to market our conference about marketing. You know, it's a, it's right. a circular, re- it's right. a circular, circular reference which really helps us uh, market the conference better. But mm-hmm. you know, PubCon we're all about the educational tracks about the breakout tracks. Uh, this year we have uh, seven content tracks over three days plus a training day. Um, it's all about hands-on actionable information. We, we really stress that, Speakers need to have giveaways, you know,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: give give three things that they can go home and do today that's going to better the website that is going to better their marketing efforts. So that that's our heart and soul and why people have followed us for almost 20 years now. Uh, Mm -hmm. Start starting next year is going to be our 20th anniversary starting in uh, June. Um, So. uh, that's a bit about us um, we're not one of those big fancy conferences like you know uh, TEDx or uh, <laughs> even going even uh, as we record this in uh, Cleveland is content marketing world going on right so, uh, mm-hmm. uh, we, we've just been the you know the hands-on uh, the guys turning wrenches on marketing campaigns and on websites um, so that's a bit about us
0: mm-hmm. um, now I could
1: obviously go ahead
0: Oh, sorry, I was just going to say, um, you were mentioning about marketing, PubCon specifically, and I do remember, mm-hmm. I believe it was probably maybe three or more, it could be more years ago at this point, but I remember that you you did something interesting where it's like, in terms of marketing, you really rely on word of mouth. Like, you don't, is it true that you still don't do any paid advertising to... We do, we do on Facebook and the
1: social channels, oh, we okay. don't on, we don't on... Uh ppc or anything we've never seen any roi from ppc right. okay. advertising zero
0: interesting so, okay yeah all right so yeah so you mentioned obviously 20 years that's a huge milestone so yeah. um, i like to i like to educate people who may not be f- familiar so let's sort of go back to the start of pubcon so that was in the year 2000 correct in london mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Of, of course it's sort of famous that you know, 125 people crammed into a, a London pub. So, uh, what sort of started that? Um, how, how did that get organized? Why did it end up being in London? And uh, yeah, just talk a little bit about the origins of the first PubCon.
1: Well, it was a group of guys on Webmaster World, uh, RC Jordan, Mike Mackin. They they wanted to go on vacation to London, and we had all of this huge following from London, and the UK, and Europe on webmaster world mainly because you know when we started out on the internet here in the states we were easily five years ahead of europe mm-hmm. um even as late as like 2004 2005 we were still ahead of them and now now in fact you i think in a lot of cases in marketing they've surpassed us uh mm-hmm. with, with capabilities and uh the quality of their campaigns that's going on over there but back in the day they just didn't know they didn't know how to market on the internet they didn't know how to Market on search engines, um, so they. Someone, I think it was Mike Mackin and uh, put a post up on Webmaster World. Hey, I'm going to London. Who wants to get together for a pint? And I just happened to have a family commitment that week, so I missed PubCon one in London. I was oh. not there.
2: Okay.
1: So, uh, uh, yeah, 125 guys got together and stuck around for the whole weekend. Uh, and somebody said it's a conference, and somebody else says no, it's a pub conference. So <laughs> it, it it stuck, and uh, you know, every year we tried to do something a little more and a little more and a little more. And by a year the end of year two, it became clear that having it run as a volunteer thing, where we got sponsorships and we've got exhibitors. I mean, we're in a pub for PubCon too with. We had 10 booths crammed into a pub oh, wow. in London. Yeah, where <laughs> like e-spotting and go-to and good old Dave Carlson at Go Toast was giving away toasters. Wow. Um, so we had all this sponsorship and we had, gosh, by year two, we had, I think, 350 people show up. And I'm like, whoa, this is a business. Somebody has to take over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody wanted to volunteer step up. So I said, OK, I, I'm going to do it. And then the next one we did, did in Boston, we had a day conference and then we did Orlando and it just happened that our Orlando conference was two months before the famous Florida, two months after the famous Florida update, which oh, right. we named the Flor, which we named the Florida update because mm-hmm. we were going to Florida <laughs> and I just happened to know a guy in college named Florida. <laughs> 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 so and that's where it started matt cuts came down to the one in florida and the rest is history as they say is matt became google guy um mm-hmm. and and that was kind of the the early days of it anyway yep so
0: wow that's that's really yeah. cool so obviously it sounds like it started very organically so like as you were mm-hmm. saying you, you know you saw 300 people 350 people coming and you saw oh here's an opportunity now Looking back, did you go, oh, this could be a thing I could be doing for nearly 20 years at that point? Or were you just sort of focused on, you know, very short term at that point? <laughs> or were you thinking sort of longer term?
1: Well, at the time, I happened to be living in the Midwest in Iowa. And it was about five years after I left Gateway. And, you know, I was kind of tired of programming, kind of tired of necessarily doing like bulletin board systems and hardware work. uh I, I definitely wanted to get into something different. Mm-hmm. And during the 80s, I did conferences for a educational company. You know, one of those weekend kind of California woo-woo educational training classes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I wouldn't say like Tony Robbins, but kind of the same ilk. Okay. And I lo- I loved doing that. I I did that for a while on a volunteer basis, and they always said I did better volunteer than the guys that were getting paid to do it. And so I always loved that that conference style with a little bit of expo on the side. Mm-hmm. So I'd been exposed to it a lot. And when this opportunity for PubCon became apparent that somebody needed to take over, you know, I threw myself in it with gusto. I just, uh, I, I knew it was going to be successful. So I didn't have any idea to take 20 years. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, had the background and went for it.
0: Awesome. So, so yeah. how, how did you end up then? Sort of, obviously, you mentioned you went to a few cities, and then in 2004 mm-hmm. you finally landed in Vegas for the first time. So, how did you end up sort of choosing Vegas, and why has that sort of become the the mecca every year that you know everyone yeah. plans to go to in the you know around October, November every year? Right.
1: Well, 2004 or 2003 was our first Vegas. It was
0: 2004? It was
1: the same. Okay, it was the same year that Comdex canceled, and we happened to be looking around, and we went out to uh, Vegas late in July of '04, mm-hmm. and we went to the convention center. And, you got any space? And I said, what? It just so happens Comdex is closed the same week you 're looking at, so in fact, our entire convention center is wide open for leasing oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, so they give us just an incredible deal mm-hmm. I, it was It was just I think our first bill from the convention center was like five thousand mm-hmm. dollars obviously food and beverage was you know a hundred thousand, but it, i unbelievably cheap. So it, that was kind of how we fell into it. We'd been looking for a place, you know. We'd been down to New Orleans. Uh, New Orleans was very, very expensive. We ended up going back to New Orleans in 2006. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we were just looking for a good place, a good destination vibe for all our guys to go hang out, and obviously it was the right choice. So mm. we we love
0: we love being out in Vegas. So absolutely, it's a, it's a great place. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, um, yeah, and. Uh, obviously, you have a couple other shows as well. Now you mm-hmm. have PubCon Florida, and you also have PubCon Austin. So, mm-hmm. um, how how do you sort of see the difference, um, you know, versus the big the main show in Vegas now versus what you're doing in Florida and Austin?
1: Yeah, Vegas is more hardcore search. Um, it's mainly the search agencies and the folks who work for search agencies and in house people at corporates that like we had somebody sign up today from the big time hotels, uh, bringing a whole crew of people from the hotels in Vegas and it's all the marketing crew. Mm -hmm. Whereas Florida in the past, our our focus has been kind of quote, we've called it interactive marketing. Um, we're going to, we're going to tighten that up a little bit this year and go talk about social media much tighter, uh, in Florida next spring. Mm -hmm. We have, uh, Lee Odin is going to, Odin is going to come in and talk, uh, Social media influencer, we're going to put him on a whole track by himself the first day. So we're going to try and focus a little bit more on the topics like content marketing, social media influencer marketing, mm-hmm. um, and and some hot topics around social media, like maybe TikTok, and some of the stuff with Snapchat that, that may or may not be tipping by that point. Uh, so we're going to focus more on the the content side in Florida, a little more on the search traffic side, in vegas and austin is a great regional day show mm-hmm. we'll have a track on social we'll have a track on ppc we'll have a track on on organic seo and it drives draws a great local crowd from austin because we're just such a huge tech town here so right we do, we do we do austin about once every two years uh seems to be about right in florida and vegas we're going to try and do every year from now on
0: okay so, are you thinking meanwhile of
1: tra- oh meanwhile we are planning our 20th uh 20th-year kickoff in London uh, next summer. Plans are underway. So. Ooh, can, you reveal, can
0: you reveal anything yet?
1: <laughs> not yet. Not until oh. I get ink on a contract.
0: <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Fair <laughs> so. enough. And, of course, everyone, yep. everyone wanted to know, when's, Pub, when's PubCon going back to New Orleans, if ever?
1: <laughs> At this point, uh, it, I don't know. The thing about New Orleans is – it is so expensive to do a conference down there, regardless oh. whether you're in, in, in a hotel or the convention center is the most expensive con- convention center in the United States that we have found. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so I don't, I don't foresee us going back to New Orleans anytime soon. So gotcha, fair
0: mm-hmm. enough. So I had to yeah. ask a few people asked me to ask here sure. so had to do it. Um, cool. Okay, so uh, obviously a big part of conferences is networking. So what would What would be your best conference networking tip for someone uh, when they attend, whether it's PubCon or anywhere, something that you may have picked up over the years that always works for you or that you've heard works for other people?
1: Well, go to all the networking events you can, especially the the minor little receptions that we do, like the kickoff reception. (laughs) It's a great opportunity to introduce yourself to people. And, you know, well, it doesn't have to be a speaker. It doesn't have to be somebody involved directly with the conference. Um, I go to other conferences, and you know what I do? I go talk to every exhibitor, and most of them most of them I don't need their product. I'm not going to use their service. just making that contact with them. I can't count the number of times I've went back to an exhibitor that I met at another conference. Um, talk to them about. Do you know so and so? Just incredible networking contacts you make, mm-hmm. and you only do that if only do that if you get out of the corner, off the wall, and go talk to folks. Yep. And the one thing we always do at PubCon is we have these little mixers whether it's at the convention center or a, 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 in a pub or a bar somewhere in Vegas. We give people the opportunity to sit down and talk without loud blaring music in the background, without <laughs> a, a lot of distractions. Um, You know, that's, that's one thing people always ask us is why we don't go to a hotel in Vegas. And there's just so many distractions in a hotel in Vegas, the casinos, the bars, um, you just lose your audience about halfway through the day. Oh yeah. I, I I go to some tech conferences out there that, you know, they've got 5,000 people at them and you'll walk into a session at three in the afternoon in a hotel and there's five people in the audience.
2: So
1: that's kind of the reason we avoid the hotels wherever possible. And, and when we do go there it's for networking specifically and we always keep that music down and let people talk uh, mm-hmm. and we got a couple of those coming up this this year in Vegas too so
0: that's fantastic yeah um, just get up get out there and talk to people as as many as you can yeah, so absolutely mm-hmm. that's the best way to do it um now in terms of people who want to pitch to speak for future PubCon events, I always get to ask this when I get someone like you. Mm-hmm. What's your best advice for people um who eventually want to get on the stage um at a PubCon event? You know, Michael Bonfels
1: did a interview with me about a month ago and that's on Search Engine Journal. It is, uh, nice. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I give away a lot of stuff in there. Okay. The biggest thing is that we're looking for is we're looking for expertise in a niche item. Mostly you're going to be able to talk on stage at most probably 30 minutes on a PowerPoint. That's not a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And so you got to get, you got to get into the weeds pretty quick. And, and so we avoid all the big blue sky stuff. Well, think about it this way, or maybe if you tried it that way, or if they use way too much talk about strategy and well analyze this and that we stay away from that. We want to know hands on what people do, to get XYZ to happen as a result at the back end. Mm-hmm. Um, so we definitely want hands-on stuff, niche, niche, niche. You know, uh, In this day and age, if you haven't specialized to the point where you have expertise in the niche, I don't know. You know, There are people who, who see the whole industry and end up in a job in management, but most of us don't. So we, we definitely want the hands-on stuff, very niche. So. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And what can people do to ensure they never get to speak at a PubCon or a conference?
1: Ooh, that's a that's an interesting one. I've never been asked that. What can they do? Well, first off, too much politics, too many strong opinions that are obviously gonna turn off mm. a a uh audience just from the get go. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I can't say as we've ever actually banned anybody from speaking. Or banned anybody because of a proposal Uh, mainly stay away from the controversial stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, we we do have a couple of I have one keynote who I don't think I'll ever invite back because they attacked another speaker from the stage uh, without giving us heads up beforehand Mm -hmm. it turned out it turned out to be an impactful event in our our industry so Mm -hmm. we always always keep the politics and the personal stuff out of it
0: so Did you want to expand on that and uh, tell people what you're referring to? or? Uh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it was the last time in Vegas, uh, what's that been, three years ago, when uh, Jason Kalkanos, uh talked at length about his time with Mahalo. And when he got downgraded in Mahalo uh, right around the time, I believe it was Penguin, -hmm. And Penguin decided that type of search content was not going to work for Google anymore, and suddenly Mahalo went from—I've heard rumors they were doing two million in referrals a day—and after Penguin, we're talking about two thousand a day. Mm -hmm. So,
2: um,
1: and Jason used that opportunity to attack Matt Cutts personally, Mm -hmm. and without warning us or giving us heads up, Mm -hmm. and. I think Matt handled it with a professionality that zero people listening would have been able to handle it. (laughs) He was, he was outstanding in his response and I I felt so bad about that, that just didn't know that was going to happen. Um, at the same time, I understand Jason's feeling, you know, you're getting that kind of referrals one day and the next day you're getting nothing and Google saying, no, we didn't penalize you. I might be upset as well, but, uh, It was a couple months after that, uh, Mr. Kutz announced his sabbatical, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, the first time I met Matt in Boston, I met Nate Tyler, who was the head of PR for Netscape before he became uh, a PR specialist at Google. And then he he actually ended up being press secretary for uh, Obama. Re-election oh, campaign, yep. Obama for American election campaign. Who then introduced me to all that whole crew. So anyway, the first time I met Matt and saw so him speak in Boston, I, I leaned over to Nate and I said, "Clean this guy up, running for politics." And we both kind of laughed, but we <laughs> both knew we both knew he'd end up in government work. We thought he'd end up in uh, elected government work, not not
0: appointed or wow. as a as a career worker. So. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Wow. All right. So let's. Uh, I, I I got a few audience questions I wanted to sprinkle in here. So since we're still talking PubCon, um, let me bring in this one first. So Lauren Baker, of course, the founder of Search Engine Journal, had a question for you. He wants to know what's your secret to creating such a loyal grassroots and organic brand. He said, I think there are only two events he's seen uh, this type of transparent uh, at this type of transparency: PubCon and brightness SEO. So obviously those are two two totally different continents, two different shows, two different models. Right. But they both have a really outstanding grassroots following. though. So sort of what's your secret for cultivating that? How do you get like the extreme loyalty from your speakers and attendees? It
1: goes back to when I started running bulletin board systems, community. Mm-hmm. I'd dial into one bulletin board system and here it'd look like you'd have a thousand downloads a month of the hot game, you know, in the where's section. And then you'd have two messages on the bulletin board system. You'd dial into another bulletin board system and you'd have a thousand messages a week coming mm-hmm. in from different packet nets. And I couldn't figure out why one one system would have all this interaction and not the other system. Mm. It became clear it was about interaction. It was about community, community, community serving that community, taking care of that community, being interested in that community and belonging to that community. Mm. And that carried over to PubCon in the form of, you know, we try to take care of all of our speakers just as good as we can. I wish we could pay every one of our speakers, but obviously the the economics of conferencing don't don't allow for that. So we take care of them every way we can. That means uh things like our speakers' enclave, getting them in there to to talk shop with their industry peers. Um, we have many speakers who come to our conferences simply for that two hours sitting there, talking at the speaker's enclave, listening to other speakers talk, um, and making these lifetime connections. Secondly, we, we really try to get our panels set up in a non-competitive manner where the panelists interact together to learn about each other to uh, make those connections. Lastly. Don't over don't overestimate the power of alcohol. <laughs> I mean, after, after all, we are PubCon, right? We and are. so, the more opportunity we can put folks having a glass of beer um, to kind of lubricate the truth and uh, the networking, it, it goes a long way. It really does. I mean, I was talking to a guy yesterday about his kid having problems trying to. Make friends at college in the first couple of weeks. And I said, it's funny, you know, I haven't seen a bunch of my guys from college in uh, 30 years. And here we are, all friends, still hanging out on Facebook. And the only thing we got in common was we got loaded a few times at college. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so don't overestimate the, the power of friendship. It, it goes a long, long way. Absolutely. So, yeah.
0: um, one more question uh, Greg Finn of Cypress North wants to know what decisions have you had to make over the past 20 years to keep PubCon not only relevant but a leader in the webmaster conference space?
1: Well, we've had to make some tough decisions at times where where our focus was going to be. uh, In the early days, all the guys wanted us to be pure affiliate, nonstop affiliate. They, Mm. They wanted to talk email jamming and spamming. They wanted to talk SEO black hat stuff and it became clear that just wasn't going to be sustainable. Mm-hmm. And, and, it was, and it was going to turn off a large portion of our audience if we tried to go down that road for very long. That's not to say you can't do it. Affiliate Summit's done it, and they've been hugely successful. Sure. I, I, I would love to have their audience, but that's a whole different focus and vibe mm-hmm. from search. And when we realized that, okay, if we're going to do search, we got to do search, we got to focus on search, it's got to be searched today, tomorrow, and the next day. And sure, we can go over and talk about these newfangled things. I remember 2008 or seven, I believe, I walked into a room. There was Christine Churchill, Frederick Valise at Google, somebody else from Microsoft, and somebody from Yahoo on a panel. Mm-hmm. And there were like 50 people in the room. And I go, Christine's texting me, where's everybody at? Where's everybody oh. at? Where's the rest of these people at? I step next door, and the room is absolutely packed. And on stage is some kids you never heard of. It was, uh, I think it was Neil Patel, Rand Fishkin, and somebody else newbie. And the room was packed, and mm-hmm. they were talking social media. And it was like mind blower to me that everybody wanted to talk about the new the new thing on the block. On the block. So, mm-hmm. kind of from that day day forward, we made sure that we had one track that was nothing but it was gonna talk about topical stuff. Like Mm -hmm. three years ago, everybody wanted to talk about content marketing and then they wanted to talk about uh, social uh, uh, campaigns and all the changes at at, uh, Facebook. So Mm -hmm. we try and have one track where that's where we talk about the new stuff. And when we talk about the new stuff, we attract experts in the new stuff, and so that keeps us growing. It keeps us relevant, it keeps us on the leading edge without being gimmicky or oh, look, it's Web 4.0. Everybody, come listen to this. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's all about what real world marketers are doing on the leading edge. So we try and stay relevant that way. I've always lived on the leading edge. I'm a I'm a gizmo guy. I've got to have the latest and greatest. So, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. yep. Well, speaking so. of which, this this might be a fun question for you then. What is the first piece of tech that you remember being totally obsessed with as, like, a kid or whatever?
1: (laughs) Well, as a kid? I'm not sure.
0: Uh, Or a person.
1: Yeah, I was fascinated by television sets, how tube TVs worked. Um, And I actually took apart my family's TV and put it back to – put it back together. I took out every tube in it and every board that snapped together and put it back together. because mm-hmm. I was trying to, I was trying to add a separate speaker to it. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I was fascin- yeah, I was fascinated by the TV um, loved that stuff, loved early tech and mm-hmm. I just got fascinated by it. And then in high school, when I was a junior, I walked in to the guidance counselor's office. And it was one of the few times I was in his office where the words disciplinary action w- were not involved. <laughs> it, was, it was kind of a career day. And I yeah. sat out in his office and he had this huge desk-sized line printer, it's called. It's a computer, but it's about the size of a desk. Mm. And we looked up. We, he said, we're going to look up career information on the University of Iowa's website. I go, what do you mean we're going to look it up? There's that much memory in this little thing? He goes, no, no, no. It talks over the phone lines. And I, I will never forget when he told me that it talks over the phone lines. Like, what do you mean? And we had this long conversation. He goes, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. I said, yes, it does matter. How does it <laughs> talk over the phone lines? And so so that was the start of my fascination with with modems and mm-hmm. and telecommunication. Um, it was a week later, I found a book on what modems were and how they worked. And that was the most fascinating thing. First computer I owned was a VIC-20, really. Um, And then I popped right into the 64 when it came out immediately. Wow. Totally fascinated by the entire Commodore experience of the early 80s. Yeah, so
0: you've been on the edge since the start. That's (laughs) awesome. (laughs) Uh, Another audience question. This is sort of related to the last one, but it's more about the agenda. Um, Michelle Robbins of Beta Girl Consulting wanted to know, what has been the biggest challenge for you in keeping your the uh, content on your agendas fresh, especially with uh, there being so much more competition? And I guess we should go back just for a second and say, you know, when PubCon launched, uh, there wasn't nearly as much competition. I think you were basically, um, you know, there was the old SES conference series. I don't know if there was any other big conferences back then, but yeah, it's just nowadays it's hard to even keep up with all the various search conferences so yeah how do you keep keep you know stay you know be able to stand out amongst all that competition right. and keep your agenda you know something that people uh, just you know want to see
1: well the first thing is we lean on our speakers to to really bring the best that they can mm-hmm. and we have a we have a long a long pitching proposal period we we go six to nine months uh having people pitch and i read everyone multiple multiple times so if it's latest greatest new stuff we're going to hear about it and given that me and the team uh jeff randall who's been with me i think uh 12 years now and melissa Fash has been with us a couple of years Mm -hmm. and before that we had had lane ellis uh everybody's got their ear to the ground, seeing what's new, what's hot, you know, whether it be on social media or, or just, I've been a news junkie most of my life. So I stay tuned into what's going on. Mm-hmm. So how do, how do we bring that out in the conference? Mainly we let our speakers tell us what's neat and mm-hmm. new and what absolutely has to be talked about. Cause if somebody has got something that's working so well, they're going to tell us about it and they're going to come out to the conference and we're going to put them on stage. So mm-hmm. excellent. that's, that's, that's the biggest thing. We, we really draw it from the speakers, draw it out of the speakers and the community. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, let's do a fun question now. Mary Davies of Beanstalk Internet Marketing, who also helps me co-manage uh, Search Engine Journal's Friday Focus column. Uh, she wants to know, do you have any uh, pre- or post-PubCon rituals? And she notes that she hopes so and that they're weird, but... <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, number one, I'm not allowed to ride a motorcycle within six weeks of a major conference. Oh.
0: Uh,
2: <laughs> that's a
1: smart one. <laughs> it was about eight years ago. I put my bike down about two weeks before PubCon. Oh, gosh. I'm, <laughs> I'm limping around PubCon Vegas in a cast. Oh, Well, <laughs> that wasn't a cast, it was wrapped up. So that's the biggest one. Uh, the other mm-hmm. one is surprisingly, the week before the conference, you know, everything's done. We've shipped everything. We've We've talked to everyone. It's like this weird eye of the storm Mm -hmm. where nothing goes on. So I I usually uh, take the family out every night or take the wife out on a date the the week before because they know I'm going to be gone. But that's about it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And afterwards, I just I sleep, I sleep, I sleep, I sleep, (laughs) I sleep, I (laughs) sleep. Because... uh, pubcon in the one in Vegas, we walk so much. Mm-hmm. it is so far from everything uh I think Jeff Randall had one day he his pedometer had twenty three miles on it, so wow we do a, we do a great deal of walking it's it's not uncommon common to walk forty to fifty miles in the week we're out there.
0: So mm.
1: Wow, we're pretty tired by the time it's all done <laughs>
0: well sleep is well earned then <laughs> mm-hmm. all right yeah. um. All right. As you look back sort of over the past 19, 20 years or so, has there been anything that's been like a frustrating part of, you know, just the conference business or PubCon, probably not PubCon specifically, but just like doing what you do?
1: Well, it was hard for me on Webmaster World for quite a few years, uh, working with volunteers. Mm hmm. And, and the site was basically a loss leader from PubCon for all those years. So it it, it didn't make a ton of money. It made a little money in, in the good years. And then after Panda Penguin, when Google decided they weren't going to rank forums anymore, and we went from, oh, an average day, an average weekday it was 200,000 referrals. We dropped down to under 10,000 referrals after Panda Penguin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was obvious they flipped the switch to said anything classified as forum, Is no longer going to get that kind of referrals out of us if you ever talk to any of the forum people that's that they've all said the same thing from the big ones to the small ones Mm -hmm. so it it was kind of difficult for us to work uh with all the community on webmaster world because one thing about webmaster world it attracts from everybody on the planet it really does we got people from china on there um one of the first times posted anywhere about the Great Firewall of China was, hey, I can't get to Google from China. Uh, uh, guy that went by the the nickname Bathrobe, mm-hmm. uh, we ended up, ge- ended up getting quoted in New York Times, Wired, wow. it was on CNN. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and working in all of that with all the proclivities and sensibilities of a global audience, it was difficult. Mm-hmm. So we had half the people thought we were in Google's pocket the other half thought we were just a bunch of black hatters that hated Google. And here <laughs> we were trying to run this, you know, it's like herding cats. It really wasn't. It was all volunteers. So trying to keep it between the lines and then occasionally the legal issue would come up. Somebody would attack somebody. We would go in and delete it and then they'd screen censorship.
2: Mm-hmm. That
1: was trying. That was trying for quite a few years. And when, uh, When the traffic kind of ebbed a little bit, and somebody threw me an offer down for Webmaster World, I said, "Great," Mm -hmm. and sold that in 2012. And when, when after five years, I had cleared my head, and I went, "You know, it'd be nice to own that again." (laughs) (laughs) I I bought it back. (laughs) So so (laughs) that that has been one of the that has been the toughest of it while running PubCon. It was just learning to run how the business needed to be run. Yep. Um, it, it wasn't all that difficult, but it was a lot of logistics and the number of touch points we have coming up to a big conference. Sometimes it's kind of astounding to put it down on paper. It's it's nothing to have fifteen hundred to two thousand things we need to do
2: mm-hmm. to
1: uh, to put on a big conference, as you know, working with with SES for so many years. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that would be the big one, you know, learning, learning to run Webmaster World in a global audience uh, and, and now seeing like Facebook go through the same thing. How do they moderate? How do mm-hmm. they handle it on a global scale? Um, it, it's really been an education. It, yeah. it truly has been. So.
0: Yeah, so let's flip that question around then. What was the most satisfying part of uh, all the stuff that you've done for these past 19, 20 years?
1: You know, really, it was running PubCon and walking into a PubCon uh, and seeing, yeah, I think our, our highest year was 2,200 people, like 2011, mm-hmm. 2012. Um, seeing that many people in the audience, uh, I never thought I was a very good salesman. And first time I walked on stage and looked out and there were that many people out there. And I, I think Robert Childini, a big time author, was there that week and we had Guy Kawasaki and uh, David Pogue from the New York times. And I'm like, you know, maybe I am a pretty good salesman. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I
2: would,
1: I, I would have to, without a doubt say, that's it. just been the most satisfying thing, uh, being able to bring this to the people around the world. And, you know, we started out as a mom and pop shop it was just me when we started. And there were so many of those early guys that were just mom and pops working out of their spare bedroom, out of their basement, uh, uh, never did hear too many, uh, living with mom and dad, but I'm sure there were, I'm sure there were, mm-hmm. and and to be able to help shepherd that along and give people some, uh, something to do creatively and financially, you know, find a livelihood it's just been hugely rewarding. And next week I'm going to a, a Dave Ramsey seminar, uh, here in Austin, uh, and, and, it, and it's kind of the similar way, uh. Helping folks is what it's all about, you know. Mm-hmm. And when and I bring up Dave because that's he's always talking about how he loves helping people. Now he doesn't care about the money, doesn't care about uh, what's going to happen with him in the future. It's just about being able to to leave a a legacy of some type, and that's kind of where I am these days too. Awesome.
0: So we talked a little bit about Webmaster World there. Um, so what's sort of your vision for that? I guess today, um, what's exciting about uh, Webmaster World to you, and why should people check it out?
1: Well, it's a place for everybody to stay up on what's really going on with Google, not not the filtered what's going on with Google on Facebook, not what's the filtered going on with Google on Twitter. Um, you know, most everything where you've got that name attached to it on Twitter, you got you've got the authority of identity on Facebook. Um, people don't always say what they what they necessarily mean. I left a couple of posts on Facebook this morning that were. A bit controversial about some of the stuff Google had been doing lately
2: mm-hmm. and
1: I know I know people messaged me and said I, I wish I could comment on that thank you for posting that but I can't have Google seeing me posting on it
2: mm-hmm. where if
1: you come over to webmaster world you know we are still the old nickname based, the old school bulletin board system based where uh, people can speak their mind a little more and, mm-hmm. and ask questions in a little a little more direct manner without fear of reprisals so we're kind of this unique, independent platform that gives people a voice, without having necessarily having consequences attached to just having that voice. No, mm-hmm. so that's yeah. that's the biggest thing on Webmaster World. That's why uh, I think that's why 90% of our people visit
0: today. Yep. So, mm-hmm. gotcha. And we were talking a little bit before um, we started recording um, that there, there was a bit of anger out there right now um, among some people with Google. Um, I don't know if you want to maybe just get into a little bit about some of the issues going on as you see them, but um, yeah, it def- mm-hmm. definitely feels like the, you know, there's a lot of, there's this growing drumbeat almost to, I don't mm-hmm. know if it's regulate them, break them up, or, you know, it feels like something's, in, you know, imminent, but we don't know what exactly, so right. um, I guess maybe just talk a little bit about where you see things might possibly land and what it could mean for our industry.
1: Well, there's been quite a bit of talk, you know, in this first year of a major election cycle about the power of big tech. And, you know, we've got a couple of major candidates who have suggested breaking up some of these major tech firms. Mm -hmm. And so there's a fresh view on Google and that kind of stoked the fires, I think. It kind of stirred people up uh, and and made them want to look at what's going on at Google Um, you know, Rand Fishkin did an article there on, on his site. Uh, oh, It was middle of June, I think, that talked about, you know, less than half of all Google searches now result in a click. Mm-hmm. So they're not sending out traffic anymore. Less than half of what they used to send, or the potential of what they used to have, is now being sent out. So I think people are really tuning into that fact. Mm-hmm. And in the past, Google would get a pass on a lot of this. Okay, we're all making money. Keep quiet, keep your head down, go back to work. Mm -hmm. Um, And and now even the PPC guys that play AdWords and the ad systems on Google. There was a thread on Twitter about a month ago about Google sending uh, one of their reps sending direct to a client, sidestepping the agency. Hey, your agency's goofing up here.
2: Mm-hmm. And almost
1: every agency you talk to has got a story about this where Google has attempted to contact directly the client and tell them the agency is doing wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I guess the last 20 years we knew Google was not a fan of SEOs. Um, at Meet the Engineers 2006 uh, in in New Orleans, a very, very famous, now very famous, Engineer at Google told me flat out they hate SEOs. You know, mm-hmm. you bring up you bring up SEO in a Google meeting, it's like throwing red meat to wolves. Mm-hmm. They think they think they think SEOs corrupt their their uh, platform. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the PPC guys were just hey, it's great. We're buying PPC. We're making bank. Clients making bank. Everybody do their job. Let's be quiet. Heads down. And now we're seeing the PPC guys saying, oh wait a minute here. This is just getting very expensive at every corner. It's not necessarily working like it used to work. So I, I think there's a big new attitude, and it's showing up in major stories about the power of tech. It's showing up in minor stories like these Twitter threads we see pop up left and right from the PC, PPC people that we never used to see at all. It mm-hmm. used to be spe- specific little problems with Google. Okay, this feature's broken. Google, fix it. Now it's, hey, the system has got a problem here, Google. So. Yep. Uh, I, I think it's an entirely new critter. Where that ends, I don't know. I thought when they hired Danny Sullivan, Danny would go on to, uh, you know, become a bit more of a, a public spokesman for them than just the Twitter feed. Mm-hmm. Um I really thought he'd step into the shoes of Matt Cutts, but at the same time, who in their right mind would want to step into the shoes of Matt Cutts? <laughs> uh, so I, I can't blame Danny at all for that. I mean, the first day he said he had his job out there, I said, hey, you want to come out and talk to PubCon? He said, oh, no, 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 I, I don't want nothing to do with that. No, no, I'm, that's not my role here. <laughs> so, so I think if Google were to find somebody to be that public face again, it would kind of fill a void. Mm-hmm. And, and honestly, since Matt's been gone, a lot of this is bubbled up and it's going to keep bubbling up until I think Google wakes up and puts somebody out on a stage that can talk.
2: Yep.
1: Not as well as Matt, because there's never going to be another Matt, but right. uh, yep. somebody that would rep for the co- company and uh, maybe even act as a conduit back to the company, the way Matt would do so much. So Absolutely. How it all shakes out, who knows?
0: <laughs> yeah. The, I think that's, that's the hanging question right now. Uh, related so- I guess related to this, uh, Roger Monty of Martini Buster and a search engine journal news writer uh, also want me to ask you about this uh, sort of specifically. uh, If the federal or state governments and or state governments find Google has violated antitrust regulations, do you think it's even possible to break up the uh, company known as Alphabet, which is, of course, the parent company of Google?
1: Oh, yeah, I think you could break it up into six seven different sub companies, you know, you break off Android, you break off Waymo, you break off, uh, the, the search engine itself. Mm Um, there, I think there's a lot of different ways you could carve it up. Um, you could even mandate carving off maps or Google my business and all that data, uh, and YouTube of course. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot of different ways you could carve up the pie and not hinder the pie. Mm -hmm. Um, People say, well, YouTube's a lost leader. Well, yeah, it's a lost leader. That's propping up the monopoly. And (laughs) Mm
2: -hmm.
1: and sooner or later, it's got to stand on its own two feet. And if a big entity like YouTube can't stand on its own two feet, it shouldn't be there. It shouldn't be there propping up the monopoly just to keep everybody out of the business. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at some of of their programs like AdSense. It doesn't make hardly any money for Google. Um, So why are they doing it? Why do they continue to do it? Well, they do it so that nobody else would do it. And if they do it and they do it poorly, what are people going to do with their ad money? They're going to take it to Google and run it through the search engine. They're not going to run it through Joe's, uh, Joe's Crab Shack dot you know? <laughs> <laughs> com. They're going right. to they're going to spend it on Google where Google can control the in the out, the the amp, and <laughs> all the pages there in between. So
2: mm-hmm. um,
1: I think you can very definitely carve up Google if it came to that. But. I don't think it will ever come to that. No, mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think we'll even get close. They they won't even get their hands slapped. Worst that's already happened to them. Uh, you know the Google, the European fines. That's that's probably the worst that's happened to them yet.
0: Yep, I think so. All right, uh, let's do a few uh, fun random questions. So I was curious um, because you know you were one of the pioneers in SEO. So how did you actually learn SEO? Was it mostly through experimentation was it through sharing like how how did where did you sort of pick up and learn all your everything uh that you learned
1: i started uh when i worked for major computer manufacturer gateway i had a guy, a uh, friend of family, my family's all into farming, farm, and then I had a friend of the family ask me to write him a web page and I went, Oh, uh, okay, I don't know HTML. So I sat down a weekend and learned HTML mm-hmm. and it, it was so easy. Monday morning I had him a website, had it popped up. Um, he loved it and he sent me a large check. Mm-hmm. And I called him back and I said, Why'd you send me a check? And he says, Well, that's what the other guys were in charge me, and theirs wasn't as good. Oh. I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, Next weekend he goes to a John Deere Dealership meeting for dealers and announces my name and phone number. I come home after a long weekend, and I had thirty messages on my phone machine that people want me to build a website Wow, so that was nineteen ninety six so that's how that's how I got into to building websites and then the biggest thing was all the support with these guys. Well, how do I add this feature? How do I add that feature? How come I'm not getting traffic out of Excite? And then later, Lycos. And how do I get into Yahoo? Mm-hmm. Um, and I and I'd answered these questions so many times over and over. I started a website on my ISP called Search Engine World, mm-hmm. which was a forum where I posted all the answers to these questions. And that's kind of how I got into SEO. Was well, yeah, how do you get into Yahoo? How do you get into AltaVista? Mm-hmm. What about Axite? And that was the basis for it. And then I just got so hooked on SEO, 97, 98, 99, that I started building websites for the sheer purpose of SEOing now. And then in 99, I'd written a search engine called uh, the Howdy Howdy Ag Search Engine. Oh. And on joefarmer.com, and I was getting huge traffic and it was back in the days where we were getting 15, 16, 17 CPM mm-hmm. for advertising. Um, and then along comes Google 1999 and they just came in and spidered us to death. Mm. Took every one of our links, you know, all the directory people in 99. So that's when, oh, okay, new new bird in town here, Time to time to learn a new game. And so... Uh, Webmaster World, by that point, had taken off enormously to the point we I'd moved it off Search Engine World onto its own domain, Mm. and uh, the rest is history, as they
0: say. (laughs) Very cool. So as part of my research, I came across a couple of really cool kind of classic uh, posts by you. So one of them was the Theme Pyramid uh, Mm -hmm. from, I believe, 2001, and also another one was twenty-six steps to fifteen k a day. I'm gonna make sure to link to these in our recap post. But uh, you know, as I was reading through those, um, and you can feel free to speak, you know, just kind of describe mm-hmm. what they were a little bit once you once we get in here. But it was kind of interesting reading through that a lot of the advice that you were giving back then is still very much spot on. I mean, a few things obviously have changed um, in terms of. Uh, you know little things here and there but overall the advice is just like stuff I could be reading today so I guess like, one of my questions would be how much has SEO really changed since you know back in the early 2000s uh, how you know how much has it not changed uh, I guess just sort of your perspective on where we're at uh, you know as we head toward 2020 now versus where you began um, okay. sort of like the state of the industry.
1: Okay. Well, those two posts you referenced, uh, theme pyramids was just a way of building a website based on keyword structure, meaning that like at the top of the level, you got the grocery store, then a next kind of silo, you've got fruit, then you want to talk bananas, apples, Mm -hmm. citrus, um, and how to break it down over and lay that over your keyword strategy, uh, and that is absolutely still as applicable today as it was in 2001. In fact, it might even be more applicable. Yeah. It has been rewritten and rewritten. It was called PR siloing for a while by mm-hmm. other people. There was, I mean, they actually used screenshots of that post. It was unbelievable. Yeah. couldn't believe guys did that. But that's what happens in the industry. Every couple of years, somebody comes back, they find something uh, in the archives, and then they re-roll it, give it a new name, and, oh, it's the new stuff this year. Uh, right. The other posts... 26 steps to 15K a day was A to Z on how to build a, a website to the point where you'd be getting 15,000 uh, hits a day, traffic on it, 15,000 page views a day. Mm-hmm. Um, I often wonder if it was more mostly successful because people thought 15K a day meant $15,000. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah, that post ended up in uh, the Google Hacks book. Uh, it's been... Copied and recopied all over the web. You throw 26 steps into, into Google and it just it comes up all over the web. People have used it. Uh and, and as you say, it's mostly still applicable today because it wasn't an SEO document. Right. It was a content it was a content marketing document. It was mm-hmm. here's the kind of content you need. You need to generate this content over a long breadth. All the other technical details, don't trouble yourself with them. Make sure you just got a good website that's visible, usable. Make sure the engines can index you. And then go back and focus on the content over and over and over again. So, where we're going, I think I think content marketing is going to be as applicable over the next five years as anything we have seen the last five years. Um, search engine marketing is not paying everybody's bills. I think there's a large section of the web that is gone simply because they don't have a business model that that will support it without search engine traffic. And as that search engine traffic continues to decline, Google share the SERP goes up, clicks on ads go up, organic traffic goes down, 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 down. We got to find alternative ways of getting an audience to come see us. And there's limited opportunity on social to do that. You can do it. But one great way is content marketing, just like you guys do right there at uh, Search engine journal. You're basically a content marketing factory and news factory
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: over and over again. So I think content marketing is, is the wave of yesterday and the wave of the future. So mm-hmm. yeah. that, that's the big biggest change I see is is no longer basing everything you do around search engine traffic. Basic got to base it around repeat audience visits.
0: Yep. Yeah. Basically, that 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 whole process there was content marketing before it had a you know fancy term so Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. yeah so definitely everyone listening check that out in the recap post because it's pretty amazing to read that today um but yeah so as you mentioned also earlier that you're a bit of a news junkie so Maybe you could share some of the the resources that you read. Um, you know, is it blogs? Is it people you follow? Books, podcasts. What, is there anything you can sort of recommend to people who want to, you know, stay stay abreast of the latest changes and help you know mm-hmm. their skill sets and all that?
1: I check about three or four sites uh, once an hour usually for tech news. I follow TechMeme. Mm. Uh, I, I think they're they're the greatest one to watch for, for filtered, good, non-reactionary news, you know, mainstream quality news. And I don't even follow their homepage. I follow what's called the tech meme river. Mm -hmm. Uh, a couple other sites I follow. I follow mashable fairly close. I'm on their, their, uh, you know, RSS feed. So I see that pop up often, um, like TechCrunch, I'll read that once a week mainly because there's rarely any stuff that's timely in there. It's Mm -hmm. mostly deeper stuff. Um, let's see, what else do I read? I read like Engadget and Lifehacker and Gizmodo for more in-depth stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Geek, Geek, Wire is another one I, I watch pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course I follow Google news, whether I want to or not, I wish there was an alternative because I don't necessarily like all their sources. And lately they've been quoting a lot of questionable sources. So I also follow Bing a little bit on Bing too. Um, But then for national news, you know, I follow all the majors, uh, uh, Washington Post, New York Times, Reuters, Mm Axios, and probably my favorite in-depth one is Axios, A-X-I-O-S, love Axios. So Mm -hmm. good, good in-depth one, mostly politics, but it's still very Mm -hmm. in-depth.
0: Very good. Uh... How about tools? Uh, Are there any, I I don't know, I don't want to put you in an uncomfortable place Mm -hmm. Can't recommend tools, but I know that that's one of the things people always love is just if people can share like their favorite tools. So can you share any tools with us? You know,
1: there are so many out there right now that do similar stuff. It's just unbelievable the tool revolution that's happening. It's not really a tool revolution. It's a programming revolution. Mm -hmm. You know, 20 years ago, you probably could have put every leading internet programmer into like the Houston, uh, you know, probably into Jerry Jones, uh, you know, into AT&T Center there in in Dallas, uh, where the Cowboys play. Mm -hmm. Uh, And today, you're talking the size of a state. It Mm -hmm. has just been amazing to me to watch how much, how many really, really good programmers are coming out of school. And it's just not that they're good in like, one area, like they know C. These guys know C. They know PHP. They know basic. They know ML. It's just an amazing assortment of people that are now programming on the web. And if you start to dig around for tools, one of my favorite, I I won't necessarily recommend a tool, but I will recommend a list. Look around for Annie Cushing's uh, tool list. She has a list a filter tools in a Google spreadsheet that she makes available to everybody. That's just incredible. Mm-hmm. It's got like two hundred, two hundred tools in there, and I have dug through that many a time to find a, a website that'll do stuff. In our industry, you know, you've got the big ones: Majestic, uh, Simrush, Moz. You, you've just got so many big ones. A H Refs. Uh, I use a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. I don't have, I don't have one that's a, that's a, you know, a Swiss army knife that does everything, but, sure. uh, I think a lot of them do some good stuff though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: All right. If you weren't in search or marketing or, or even like web design, uh, you, you if you couldn't work in that profession, what would you love to do instead?
1: Boy, it'd be something with computers, probably programming oh, yeah. full time. Mm-hmm. It, it would have to be something with either computers or telecommunication. Yeah. Um, the the modern cell phone to me is the uh, invention of the last 500 years mm-hmm. i think that the cell phone the smartphone is on par with the gutenberg press i even more so than like the microcomputer or all the steps that came before the cell phone um so i would probably work, be working in the telecommunications industry somewhere mm-hmm. yeah.
0: cool okay How about what is the best piece of SEO or professional advice that's ever been given to you and who gave it to you? Wow. That, that's, that's, that's a deep one.
2: Mm.
1: Uh, Professional advice that's ever been given to me uh, would be simple. And that is don't worry about what the other guys are doing. You know, you've got to have a unique tech. If a competitor can go down the street and download your tech from another service, you're not going to be long for this world because it's just not going to be him. It's going to be 50 others, and you're going to wonder where all your traffic and all your branding went. Um, so that was the that was the single biggest one in the early days was have unique tech. And number two, don't worry about what the other guys are doing. Focus on your own your own thing. What is unique? What value proposition do you bring to your customer? And focus on that. Don't worry about what the other guys are doing. Um, and it, it served me. Extremely well, you know. Like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of conferences out there now, mm-hmm. and I've seen a lot of conferences come and go. <laughs> sure. Uh, in fact, uh, we added up. There's fewer conferences today than there were four years ago uh, mm. in our space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, in 2015, you could have went to about 75 industry events, wow. major industry events mm-hmm. related to search marketing in the United States and Europe. And this year you can do about 50, maybe 60, if you include some of the smaller ones. So, you know, there's a cycle to it. So don't worry about what everybody else is doing in your industry. Have your unique tech, focus on it, put your head down and go back to work.
0: Absolutely. Great advice. SEO SEO
1: advice, uh, wherever you can get traffic from someplace that isn't Google, do so. <laughs> yes. You know, that's a single biggest piece of advice, you know. Focus on all the things not Google. Take what you can get from Google and the search engines, but focus on everything you can't because sooner or later that Google's going away. And you gotta you gotta be able to get traffic somewhere. So.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> all right. <laughs> How about this one? Worst piece of SEO advice that you've ever heard. Or that you it could be something you're still hearing today that you just wish would die like a piece of advice. <laughs> <just> won't die
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know there one thing the industry has done and one thing that i think webmaster world has contributed to a little bit and that's kind of calling bs on a lot of the schemes and the tips and the tricks that are out there you know there were so many so many linking schemes that went south but at the same time we all know links are still the number one thing that Google ranks on. We all know it. We all do it. So it, I think the best advice I could give for SEO right now, go get some links. <laughs> the worst <laughs> advice you could give, only focus on links. And there's so many people that that's, they think that's it. Mm-hmm. They, they don't worry about anything else. They just go buy some links, you know, go visit your local link broker and and, and buy some links. And I think we're beyond that now. We're well beyond that now. Mm-hmm.
0: So. Well, that that actually ties into my last audience question, which was also from Roger Monty. He wanted to just ask you what the heck is going on with links, and can we safely say that Anchor Text is essentially dead? What do you think?
1: Who who was it just posted? Was it Rand that posted uh, his survey of SEOs? yep, that was Rand. Yeah. Anchor Text was specifically mentioned in there.
0: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Obviously, it isn't what it used to be, man. You know, 2000 to 2010, it was the be all, the end all. You mm-hmm. had anchor text, you could rank for anything. So, I think it's still important. I think Google still counts it. Um, obviously, it doesn't carry the weight it used to carry, mm-hmm. and we're not going to play it like we used to play it. But I, I think it's still important, very important.
0: So, all right, very good. Uh, what do you hope that people in, in this industry will remember about you?
1: Oh boy. <laughs> put me on the spot there. What do I hope people So you want me to give myself a eulogy,
2: huh? <laughs> <laughs> Not hard at all to you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> So you know that we always tried to, to help out folks mm-hmm. who couldn't necessarily help themselves. Um, I I will never forget two thousand and three or four, whenever the first Florida conference well, was in Orlando. There was a woman who came up to me, who ran vacation charters in the Bahamas, and she had a problem on her website. She didn't understand why she couldn't get traffic, and we sat down with her and looked at her website. And I couldn't figure it out either. And so finally, we we just said, "Hey, Matt, can you can you take a look at this and tell us where she's gone wrong?" And it was a technical issue, mm-hmm. and. Suddenly, she went from no traffic to getting enough traffic to make some money off, to not only make enough money off of it, to have a, a viable business in the Bahamas on nothing more than her website traffic. and She came up to me in Orlando, and she gave me a present that was touching, timely, appropriate, and, and very personal. And I still have that to this day, in fact. Uh, I'm not going to say what it was, but she, she was very, very, very thankful that we were there. Mm-hmm. That that was Webmaster world. And I think there's a lot of people out there that we've been able to help that way, that they wouldn't have been able to do what they've done their whole whole career. Um, I look back at some of the people that have come through PubCon, um, guys like Dave Carlson that went on to sell GoToast to Atlas One Point that ended up being sold to Microsoft for almost a billion dollars. other people like uh, Shaquille Khan, who was Mr. Fixit at Spotify for uh, five years. Who knows what he's worth on and on and on the people that we've uh, seen um, grow and, and, and experience some of the better things in life. uh, I I hope folks will remember that, that we we definitely tried to reach out and help people up the ladder.
0: Absolutely. All right. If you could go back in time and give your younger self some advice at any point, Uh, What would it be? Is there anything that you would sort of go back and do differently knowing what you know now?
1: Well, I'd buy Google at 82. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) I still still remember. Uh, We we were sitting around back to Orlando again, Florida. You know, Mm -hmm. the Florida conference, the most... Notorious conference in SEO history. Uh, We were sitting around the bar. Why didn't I buy Google at 82 and at the time? (laughs) Google was only about 120 Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So so it's split like four ways now, so that would have been like 60 bucks (laughs) for a share of Google which is now 900 or whatever it is Uh (laughs) uh, Now if we take money out of the equation uh, You know we all have our our regrets and what we would do a little differently and what we uh may or may not do a little differently uh you know i'm pretty satisfied with my life where i'm at right now Mm -hmm. i've got two daughters that are just uh beyond comprehension to me how, how how much they mean to me and how much i adore them and watching them grow up has just been the absolute joy of my lifetime so I, I think I would not change a thing. I, I wouldn't give myself any advice. I'd just say, okay, this is it. This is this is a great life. I, I'm going to live it. So, um,
0: I like it. No.
2: I,
1: yep.
0: <laughs> now, did you ever have a moment in your career where you were sort of struggling or just like very uncertain about, I don't know, the direction of things, the way things were going um, or just like a tough period for any reason? And if so... Like, how did you get through it, and what did you learn from it?
1: Oh, yeah. I, I struggled a lot in uh, the 80s. There were several years I was hand-to-mouth, uh, one foot on the curb, as they say, one in the street.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, there,
1: were a, there were a couple of years after college that were very, very difficult, uh, mm-hmm. and I was too pr- too proud to ask family for help. So. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, you know, you just got to power on through it. Uh, every everybody's situation is going to be different, you know, and everybody you meet has going to have a different story. Um, I didn't know I was going to need a couch for this uh, interview. So <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Dr. Danny here. <laughs> but, but, no. Yeah. I started a lot. I, I think a lot of people do. I think it's only natural. Uh, there's many years there that were lean money wise, lean, uh, socially wise. And, uh, mm-hmm finally came out on the other end. Uh, When I think about where I am now, uh, meeting Erica, my wife at pubcon two in London was uh, just ironic. The the way it all worked out, it was just, I wouldn't change a thing. Like they say.
0: Mm -hmm. Very cool. Okay. Uh, Let's see. What else did I want to ask you? I guess. All right. Let's ask you this Uh, for people who are sort of newer to the industry. Uh, what is what is sort of the key to achieving long-lasting success in this industry that you've, you know, if, if you can mm-hmm. give people some advice, like what do they need to, to do this job well?
1: You know, we, we have a lot of people come out to PubCon. Like our average is most people come three or four times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first year they come, they're, they're drinking from the fire hose. It's like, oh, SEO 101, they know – they just love it. They drink it in. They come back the second year. They have a great time. They they know uh, what uh, what specialty they're going to have. And by the third year, they've honed in on a niche, whether mm-hmm. it's going to be PPC or organic or social. And then the fourth year, they come out and they're like, you know, it's like I've heard all this before. I go, well, you probably did because the the hits don't go away. What works last year works this year. And where you're at now is you're trying to get that 10% new stuff. Mm-hmm. The people that I see last five, 10, 15, the uh, folks like Bill Hunt uh, or, or Eric Inga that have been around the industry for 20 years, they don't focus on necessarily exactly what's new all the time. And they have a strong ability to deduce what's going to work and what isn't going to work and what is just new gimmicks and what's gonna work long-term. I think if somebody starting out today, drink from the classics to start with, because like we said earlier, wrote a content marketing document in 2001 that is just as appropriate today as it was back then. Why was that? Because we focused on the core things about the audience, not about the latest trick, not about the latest SEO gimmick, the latest software. Um, What people wanna see year after year after year never changes. Content marketing works. I got a lawn care service that every time they send me a bill or a receipt, at the bottom they got three or four paragraphs about what's going on. Okay, you need to trim these kind of trees this time of year. You need to trim a shrub this way. Uh, You Mm -hmm. may want to aerate your yard. Whatever the tip is, they have something every week, three to four things about what you can be doing, and oh, by the way, if you don't wanna aerate your own yard, give us a call for a quote, here, here's some of our prices. You know, They mm. don't pitch, they just tell you they have that available. Right. Uh, so content marketing is gonna work year after year after year, so if new folks are starting out, I'd I'd tell them to focus on the content, focus on the audience, focus on the customer. You gotta provide value, you gotta provide value over and over and over again. The new stuff is gonna come and go, the gimmicks, the tricks, uh, just ignore all that. So.
0: Very good advice. All right. What are you most excited about in search or marketing or technology right now? What's, what's, what's got you most uh, intrigued or excited?
1: You know, some of the talk that they're finally starting to experiment with some new phones. Uh, apparently, Microsoft is going to come out with possibly a, a two-screen laptop, uh, mm-hmm. one on the outside and one on the backside.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, we've all heard about Samsung's fold phone, which I think ultimately they will they will figure out and they will get down. We're in this area right now, era where the processors are fast enough, the RAM is fast enough, the storage is fast enough, the, the graphics display is fast enough, the batteries are fast enough that now the real question is creativity. What can they actually do with this hardware to change it? They've run headlong into these phones to try and build these bezel-less phones. Uh, So it's just nothing but a slab of glass in your hand that you – well, you got to put a case on it because you're not going to be able to hold a slab of glass for too long. Mm -hmm. So I think now the challenge is creativity. Mm
0: -hmm. Somebody's
1: going to come up with something new, and it appears to me it's probably not going to be one of the big players. So I'm excited about what these smaller companies can do. Um, I saw one the other day talking about these rings where your text messages can pop up on scroll on your ring. Uh, one guy has got a patent for digital fingernails that you can uh, press on digital LED <laughs> onto your fingernails and it will scroll your, your SMS messages across. I don't think it's made prototype yet, but he's got a patent on it. So. Mm.
2: <laughs>
1: so I think right now we're into an area where the hardware isn't the barrier. Right now it's the creativity is the barrier. And I think mm-hmm. it's going to be an exciting the next twenty years are gonna be exciting. The last twenty years were iteration. In the next twenty years there's gonna be some revolutionary stuff come out, I think. Yeah. Awesome.
0: All right. My final question for you. What's next for Brett Tabke?
1: Uh, you know, you might be surprised. Uh there's some stuff in the works I don't want to talk about. I <laughs> 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 don't mean to dodge the question, but yeah, we got some stuff in the works. Uh we're looking a little beyond conferencing uh, right now. So I got some stuff in the works. Uh, There's some things I miss about working more intimately with with clients and serving clients a little, a little better than uh, what I see being done in some of the industry. And I may have some things pop up here in the next year. Uh, Aside from that professionally, obviously we're going to keep doing conferences uh, as successful as we've been.
2: Uh,
1: We talked about, we've got, four planned for next year. Uh, the one thing that amazes me is, as I mentioned earlier, the the first time we were out in Vegas, we booked like four, five months out at the most. And Vegas has become so successful at conferences. Last two years ago, we had to book five years out. Wow. It, it just It was if we wanted the space, we got we to commit that far out. So that's a major change. So we're not going anywhere in the conference space. We, we're booked, uh, Quite a few years out there, so you know more of the same for me personally. Uh, my kids are twelve and four, so I have a lot of school time ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so
1: we're having fun. We're having fun.
0: Awesome. All right. So yeah. remind people where they can find you on social media or elsewhere online, and you know feel free to point them to uh, anything in particular that might, that you might want them to check out.
1: You know, you can find me, like you say, on Twitter or on Facebook, really. I don't spend too much time on Twitter these days, mainly on Facebook. Uh, I, I enjoy the, the wall that Facebook builds. <laughs> <So> that's,
2: <laughs>
1: that's probably the best place you can find me. And I hang out in our, our Facebook PubCon group all the time and Webmaster World, too.
0: Very good. All right. Well, in closing, Brett, I wanted to thank you for creating such an amazing conference. That so is PubCon. Uh, I think I mentioned earlier, but I've been going since 2012. And uh, as I always say, it's the one show I have to go to every year in Vegas. So, And I'm lucky enough to be on stage in Las Vegas this year. And yeah, I'm quite, appreciate. Looking, quite looking forward to it.
1: Thanks for coming out, Danny. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, absolutely. So, yeah, and you, you guys have such an amazing, hardworking team. Uh, you put on just consistently valuable conference for so many years, and you know, you've helped tens of thousands of SEO professionals and marketers do their jobs better. So on behalf of everyone you have helped over the years and for all those, you know, you still will help into the future, thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks appreciate again for, for taking the time today to join us on the Search Engine Journal show. That does it for us. Uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Remember to look for our next podcast the same time next week for more great insights and conversations. Uh, new episodes drop Thursday mornings. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast. And if you like the podcast, please tell your coworkers and industry friends about the Search Engine Journal Show. We would really appreciate the support. You can follow Search Engine Journal at SE Journal on Twitter. And, of course, find us on Facebook and LinkedIn. And if you want to follow me, I am at Mr. Danny Goodwin on Twitter. So long and thanks for listening, everybody.